0: You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast... Uh, Well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. (sighs) All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga
1: Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com.
0: And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Monsters, we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And I'm Dan. And tonight we're continuing on with our United States of America series with uh, Death Wish 1776. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> you stole my bit. That's I didn't okay. steal okay, your dude. bit. I gave you credit for your bit. You got nice oh, bits okay. there,
1: is what oh. I'm saying. Yes, they're lovely, especially this time of year.
0: I have no idea what that means. I, I don't know either. Okay. This is a good way to start the episode. Yeah. Perfect. The only thing that would make it better is if I had a cricket sound effect. Just... Okay. <clears throat> I, are I, I you... Don't know, I'd are right you... Oh, I thought you were going to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, not right now, at least. Save it. <laughs> don't let the cat out of the bag too soon. <laughs> Now that's the sound that I need. Uh yeah, so we are continuing on with our United States of America series with The Patriot. Um which uh yeah, it's a um it's a movie that we all watched. And we're also recording a, a bit later than we usually do, so we might all be a tad loopy tonight. Yeah, yeah I'm recording
1: after having a Horribly shitty day, so I'm just going to be raging this entire episode. <laughs>
0: and it's going to be great. This is my this is my therapy for the day. You're just going to start need... talking about Godzilla again, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna. That, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm just gonna be like pissed off about Emmerich's Godzilla. <laughs> I can I can find things to rage about in in the Patriot though.
0: I mean, you can,
1: but um, I'm just gonna rage nicely. Shouldn't. I'm gonna be like, man, Mel Gibson was fucking awesome in this movie. God damn it. <laughs> <That's>...
0: <laughs> well yeah no that is definitely something that uh, that we can rage about is Mel Gibson because man that that was probably one of the most uncomfortable things was with, with watching this movie mm-hmm. like it is a great movie and I love watching Mel Gibson except for the fact that I hate Mel Gibson and so yeah. I'm always so torn w- with any movie that is in now I have
1: so many conflicting feelings about Mel Gibson because I just love seeing him on screen
2: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah. I I don't know yeah, I love yeah, seeing him on screen.
2: Between the Road Warrior and Lethal Weapon, he was like one of my. He was like him and Harrison Ford were the actors of my mm. my childhood. And knowing that he's a raging racist lunatic is really difficult to enjoy his stuff after that. Yeah, I find <laughs> myself and sometimes That's just racist too, anti-Semitic. I got to throw that one in as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Weird, you know, which is strange considering he made the, the movie about the most important Jew of all time. Yes. Our, our
2: guy,
0: our guy, Jesus. Jesus and the Christ. And look what he
2: put him through. <laughs> look what he put him through.
0: Oh, man. He yeah, made the greatest I, torture porn of our ages. He yes. He really did. That's true
1: uh yeah i have this weird like there are times where i like really want to give him the benefit of the doubt and i know i i can't like i really can't but there are so many times where it's like i don't know. like he's definitely a guy who has some very severe mental health issues
2: but Mm -hmm. that definitely
1: does not absolve him of the things that he has done
2: no but sadly that's why he i think he works so well in so many roles because he's he's got that look in his eye where you can just tell he's a moment away from becoming completely unhinged.
0: Yeah, and, absolutely. And that
2: that is acting That is him.
0: That's <laughs> when he thought that the cameras weren't rolling. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, he just it, like the, the scene in
1: uh in lethal weapon where he's like going crazy in mm. his Winnebago or what? Is it a Winnebago? <laughs> he's in some kind of trailer or whatever. And yeah. he, like, he didn't know the cameras were rolling at that point. He was just, <laughs> <laughs> he's just waiting for the Michelle getting- action. He was getting ready for the scene, and, and they are like, all right,
2: cut. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, didn't see you there.
0: <laughs> uh, well, we could probably go on and on and on uh, about Mo Gibson, and I'm sure that we probably will a little bit in this episode. But uh, we're a little bit more pressed for time tonight, so mm. this tonight. Sorry, Nathan. No, it's okay. It's just tonight might actually be done before two and a half hours. We might finally have a review done with the uh, shorter runtime than the actual movie that we're talking about. I don't what know. This run
2: time was, the extended edition was two hours and 45 minutes. So
3: Yeah, <laughs> we, this
1: movie is long. I, It'd be interesting if one of our shortest episodes is
0: for one of the longest movies we've covered <laughs> ever on the show. We almost went past the runtime with the Avatar. Or maybe we did. I can't remember. We got close. Although Avatar is
1: shorter, I'm pretty sure, than than the pa- I think Avatar is like two forty two, Not
2: the extended though. The extended's over three.
1: Oh, that's like, true. Yeah, where? that's true. I've never seen the extended cut of Avatar. It's a lot. It's, it's long. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's longer.
0: Forms <laughs> oh, a much stronger connection. Uh, yeah. So we we're talking about the Patriot, and uh, let's let's start doing that. Um, Eric, what is your yes. or what was your context for watching the Patriot? The uh, Patriot is a movie that I would seen originally in high school,
1: um, and because everybody that I knew who was like, I, I was really into war films as as a lot of teenagers are, especially in the South. And that was one of the ones that people were telling me that you had to watch. Uh, and it was one that I really liked. I spent like all that I really remembered about the film going into it this time were just like the battle scenes and Heath Ledger. Um, I didn't remember much. Like whenever I think of the Patriot, I think of like spoiler alert. Well, no, we, we I won't spoil anything yeah, yet. We're, but we're, gonna, I think we're of, gonna
0: dive into a lot of things. We'll get into
1: spoilers. Yeah, uh, I think of I think of certain uh, spoilery things, and also uh, Cannonball to the Face. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's definitely the first image that I think of with the Patriot. I had completely yeah.
0: forgotten that specific scene.
1: Yeah, going into it this time, I wasn't really sure if I would enjoy it as much. I mean, it's the kind of movie that like I watched it when I was younger, and I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. I had some cool like action fighting scenes or whatever, and I didn't know much else about it or like I didn't care much else about it and I know I don't think I ever watched it again afterward um so I really wasn't sure what to expect this time around I feel I was hoping that I would enjoy it but I was kind of being especially like on the heels of Godzilla I was really uh like okay I might I might need to uh keep my expectations
0: expectations in check on this one well that actually feeds in perfectly to uh something that I want to know with going through this Emmerich series, I know that we've not covered all of his films yet, and we're not going to be able to get through all of them uh, this time around. And yes, we are definitely going to have United States of America part two at some point, but so far, uh, how is the Patriot stacking up for you in terms of Emmerich movies, not in terms of all movies, but within Emmerich's, Emmerich's filmography, where's, uh, where's it fallen for you so far?
1: Pretty good. I'm it's pretty high up there. Um, I would say, what other Emmerich movies have I watched? I think I've only watched the two Day, so far. Godzilla, Independence Day, and Godzilla. I think that's it. I don't think I've watched any of them, so it is uh, my second favorite of the three. <laughs> um, you, you I know what that means, I, though?
0: You know what that means,
1: yes. Godzilla's in your top three Emmerich films, uh, yeah, top the number three of, of three. <laughs>
2: And now you will hurry to watch a fourth film to knock Godzilla. To to knock, it out of the, knock it out of the top three, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, no, I do really like this movie a lot. I have a, a, a couple of gigantic... Res- like, there are a couple of problems this movie has that are kind of hard. They're, they're almost insurmountable for me. That, but I think overall, this is a really enjoyable movie. And it's... Yeah, I, I'm so glad that I, that I had the opportunity to revisit it.
0: All right, Dan, what about you? What was your context with the Patriot?
2: Uh, I watched this when it first came out on video. Like many of the other things we've covered, I was working at the video store when this came out. I watched it, thought, hey, that was pretty good, and then really haven't given it any more thought until now. This is only my second viewing of it.
0: Mm.
2: In the 20 years it's been out, so 21. Dear almost. God, yeah, it has been 21, 21 years. Yeah.
0: Man. This movie can drink. That's weird.
2: Yep. It should. (laughs) (laughs) It should drink. This movie Uh, needs
0: a stiff one to deal with itself.
2: (laughs) Yes. Uh, But it's, as far as Emmerich movies go, it's, because I've only really watched the first half of Emmerich's career. Post this, I really didn't watch much because it just, I was film snobby for that era. So I'm like, I know, I'm done with this guy. So as far as, like, this is by far, this is going to sound weird, but it's like the most adult of his films that I've seen. You know, it doesn't involve a giant lizard. It doesn't involve aliens. It doesn't, it's, it, you know, involve soldiers in the future or, you know, a Stargate to ancient Egypt or whatever the hell that was, you know, oh, that type do. of thing. Oh, I think I just saw a dog across the bottom.
0: either that or Uh, Eric is like really trying to get out of this episode yeah so this was an interesting
2: Emmerich for me because again it it didn't feel it doesn't feel as much like an Emmerich film for me it's a little more prestigious right? or attempting to be prestigious I should say (laughs) this is Emmerich trying to get a hold of that Braveheart moment and sees it for himself.
0: I was just about to say it's you know it's got uh, Gibson post Braveheart, right? Was it post post Braveheart? It yeah. was, wasn't it? Braveheart was '96, I think. '95 or '96? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, uh, this yeah, is actually it's, the same writer.
2: One of the same. No, this is the same writer of Saving Private Ryan. So this is Emmerich going very full prestige with yeah. this. He's going to get a you know gorgeous cinematographer. He's going to get a good screenwriter. He's going to go for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so didn't but <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to go for it and he's still going to make a very, very, very long movie. Yeah. Which, which I mean, is one of the Emmerich trademark hey, trademarks
2: power to him though, for going outside of his comfort zone of big. I mean, this there's still plenty of big, big bombast in this film. You know, this is still a summer blockbuster movie, but at least it's, trying to present something you know something historical to us
0: right well and that's something that uh, we will probably get into a little bit uh, in terms of in in terms of like where this lines up with Emmerich's films because of the fact that it is a historical movie Mm
3: -hmm.
0: like if this if this was aliens rather than the British I don't think that much would have changed but it would have given it a drastically different tone so, yes. like, I, I think that it's just because of the fact that it was not necessarily based on a true story, but based on, you know, real history, yeah. it changes the feel of it somehow, mm-hmm. I think. And, and well, also, does Eric know that we can still hear
2: it? <laughs> no, I think I think we get that. It's got that, you know, ingrained sense of importance just because, you know, we're Americans. Right. Ameri- the, you know, the Revolutionary War is a big deal for us you know it's all we learn about (laughs) growing up every every grade we learn a little bit different you know a little different thing about the revolutionary war so when we get to see a movie about the revolutionary war it's you put your serious face on while watching
0: this yeah (laughs) which which uh you know you you should it's a serious time in history um yeah, so I'd, as everyone knows, I love Roland Emmerich's movies. That's why we're doing this entire you series. Do? You know, just a little bit. I didn't know that. I'm mildly obsessed with him right now. So I've been Good going back through, watching all of his films, and if you've listened to the last few episodes, then you've already heard me go through and give all of my Emmerich spiel, so I will not go through all of that again with my context. But for me, much like you, Dan, I think that I only watched this when it came out. I didn't see it in theaters, but I remember. Uh, I remember renting it. And I don't think that I've seen it since then. Um, Maybe once, maybe, but it just like wasn't very high on my rewatch list. And Mm. I've also mentioned before that as much as I love Emmerich movies now, when I was much younger, I didn't really like grasp the fact that he was doing a lot of these movies that I really enjoyed. It was just like, oh, hey, I love Stargate and I love Independence Day. And I didn't, you know, I I didn't kind of put two and two together because I was a kid. You know, what do I know? What do I care? But I do remember at the time thinking, man, Mel Gibson sure does love his like ultra violent historical, like I'm rallying for freedom kind of movies. And that is where the Patriot has always stood with me. It was the lesser Braveheart going back and watching it this time. It is still a lesser Braveheart It is definitely Emmerich kind of swinging for the fences and, you know, going a bit more Oscar-y, but there's still a whole lot of Emmerich in this movie, and little things that I don't think that I would have picked up on or appreciated had I not been on such an Emmerich binge, Uh, and and we'll get into some of that because, man, there are a couple of scenes in particular, like very, very minor things, but a couple of things that I definitely want to mention when we start getting into the uh, technical aspects of this film. All right, so um, our overall, or at least my overall uh, review of the movie, and Eric and Dan, I assume you're probably mostly along the same lines. Question mark. One of these days, I'm it's gonna. It's a actually... solid mid mid range film for me. Okay, mm-hmm. e- Eric, what about you? Where would you put this?
2: Yeah, it's it's so
1: it's so tough because it's like there are certain things about this film that I think are just absolutely incredible. Um, like when I, when this movie first started and like, just from the opening shot, I was like, God damn it. This movie is gorgeous. Like this is I like already, I was like, man, I am so on board with this. This is going to be the best Emmerich movie so far. And then to the other thing that I thought was funny is like, we've talked to, we talked a lot in the, about in the Godzilla episode about like how Roger Ebert hated all of Emmerich's movies uh and how emrick was mad about it and you know or you know at least like poked fun at roger ebert by putting him in godzilla and then this was the first one that roger ebert liked and like gave a positive (laughs) review to and i'm like oh man even ebert likes this one this is gonna be great and like i was so on board with it for the first hour and then like as the movie wears on it's so long that there are times where it kind of drags a bit and then there are just a few little things that like were nagging at me the entire yes. movie that we'll get into. So it kind of, by the end of it, it kind of was more in like the, the kind of three to three and a half star range for me.
2: That, that happened to me too, because I watched the first 90 minutes of it last night before going yeah. to bed. And I'm like, this is so much better than I remember. Why did yeah. I, why was I okay on this? And then I watched the remaining hour and 15 today. And I'm like, that's why. <laughs> yeah. I think
1: basically everything up until he start up until they start recruiting people to the militia is yeah. like, phenomenal and then once it's
2: they get the very, other people in it very strong beginning on yeah
0: film. see i i still think that um kind of like uh like i said with to eric with godzilla i feel like with emmerich movies you have to watch them in one sitting like if you get into the film and you can just get lost in the movie i think that they don't feel as just long and drawn out because like I, I didn't yeah. actually feel like this movie was that long. Like I I was aware of the runtime. It is definitely a long movie, but for me, it never felt like, oh my god, when is this over? You know, it was kind of like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. it, it's over. It's, now. It
2: didn't feel that way for me at all. Honestly, I mean, yeah. I the first ninety minutes way better than the second mm. ninety minutes. But it never it it, it zooms along for four fifths of the film. Mm. There's a, it's about a 25-minute span where I'm just like, cut all of this, and the movie's fine. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, but if they cut it, then it wouldn't have been an Emmerich movie, if, if we're thinking about the same parts. <laughs> So, all right, we we will get to that. Uh, But here is the official video monster review of uh, the Patriot an anti-war movie that shows the danger of nationalism at the expense of freedom by having characters brutally murder people for brutally murdering people only to learn the lesson that devotion to country is more important than personal motives (laughs) or the movie that fighting for a cause is more important than fighting for personal reasons until personal reasons are actually powerful enough to be relevant. Or the movie where fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to the dark side. (laughs) With less space wizards. But regardless of which one you choose, this is a powerful um, alternate historical uh, war drama with a lot of blood, some genuinely heartbreaking scenes, and complex themes that have become even more complicated in today's political climate. Parentheses, yes, Eric, I know some themes are not handled as well as others. Yes. Well, understandably not for everyone, Uh, the violence will turn some people away, and the nearly three-hour runtime will turn a lot of the others away, we do recommend The Patriots along with all the conversations that should be taking place afterwards, not just about the movie uh, in terms of film nerds, but in terms of some of those themes of, you know, nationalism and racism and stuff like that. All right, so from here on out, spoiler wall, we are going to be getting into the movie. It's 21 years old. The good guys (laughs) win. The Americans win
2: the end what? like there's
0: i know right you can't really spoil this but whatever people die they're spoilers. a lot of people die, a lot of movie people is die. Harsh. Who's this movie is harsh this movie it's it's
2: harsh but in weird doses yeah because it's like you feel bad because two of gibson's children die but like everyone else has their entire family. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's uh, everyone else is just obliterated.
2: Yeah, so it's like we're going to make Mel Gibson suffer, but not as much as everyone else. Right.
0: (laughs) I I was going to build up to that scene because (laughs) some of the most powerful scenes in this movie I forgot about. Not like block them out of my memory, but just I, I forgot about them. Like I remember that this movie was bloody but I did not remember the cannonball to the face. And <laughs> then when it happened, I was like, Oh, Hey, there, when that dude said,
1: he is actually not as violent as I remembered it. Like a lot of, yeah. there are only like two or three scenes of like real hardcore dismemberment kind of stuff. There's in both. Uh, most of them involve cannonballs. Yeah.
2: I was going to say the cannonball to the face did not nearly bother me as much as the cannonball that like took out the leg.
1: Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that that for rough. me
2: was like the misery moment with the hobbling where it's just, it hit that leg and it made a weird sound, and that got me way more than the face did. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. it's it's not that this movie overall is that bloody; it's that when it's bloody, it shows you the blood. Mm-hmm. Except for one scene, like when when uh, when the one dude like shot himself in the head. There's no blood yeah. that comes out, which I, I, I was assume blood. was probably like a ratings issue. They they were, they were uh-huh. probably the uh, uh-huh. MPAA was probably like, yeah, that's too much. Um. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it, it's when blood is shown, blood is shown, and so like yeah. it, it sticks with you that this is a violent movie. Even though, yeah, like overall, you don't see that much violence, and hmm. some of the most horrific scenes you don't see. You just it's you know, feel. it's really compared, violent.
1: It's just not super. Gra- it's not like Saving yeah. Private Ryan. I was expecting was something good, more. That, yeah, like Saving to Private, Ryan. Private
2: Ryan's war footage. This is tame.
1: Right. Yeah, which that's the movie. I kept thinking about that movie a lot during this one because it's also written by Robert Rodat Rode uh, mm-hmm. which is one of the only like he didn't really write a whole Rodan? lot of movies. Rodan <laughs> Rodan, yes. <laughs> yes. It was like... written by a uh, <laughs> giant it was written by
0: Godzilla's rival. That makes sense. Yes,
1: exactly. It explains
2: all the times Mel Gibson screams
1: now. Cuz <laughs> <laughs> was like, all right, Godzilla didn't do, didn't win any points for me, so I'm turning to his rival to help me out this time.
0: <laughs> yes
1: oh man Um, but yeah all right so where are we starting here boys oh I thought we were starting I thought that was I don't know I'm trying to
0: think of like okay anyway okay let's get it let's get some of the more minor things out of the way first stuff that is just kind of like yes this is a fact but eh, whatever not much to discuss we've already started talking about how Mo Gibson is kind of complete trash as a person Mm -hmm. god damn he is so charismatic on screen and yeah Yeah, I I, I hate that. Like, I want to hate every movie that he is in. Yeah. Or at least I want to not love them. You know, like I I rewatched uh, Mad Max not too long ago. Well, last year when we were going through our uh, 70s series, man, that movie is so good. And just every movie that Mo Gibson has been in that I've seen, like you cannot ignore his screen presence.
1: He is um, just phenomenal in this movie. Like, he sells everything so well. Like, from the humorous bits at the beginning of the film, like, he seems like such a sweet, gentle father. Like, the kind of guy, like, he, you know, he keeps his kids in shape, but he also, like, clearly very much loves them and cherishes them and and all that. And then, like, during that opening scene the the, no, scene,
0: the, well, the scene where heath ledger he, 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 i know how to words i am good at things the scene where heath ledger is going back to war mm-hmm. and like the, the first time um and, and mo gibson's like don't walk away from me boy like he gets yeah. so angry in that scene and and it's like that's a bit excessive except for the fact that you're thinking about the fact like oh right no he doesn't want his son to die because he was yeah. back and he's like and you know like I, I i've not been in that exact uh setting but i've certainly been in settings where i have been more harsh sounding towards my kids because of something that they were about to do that was potentially going to hurt them yeah um, and then afterwards like i felt terrible but it was like i I I needed to be loud so that you didn't hit your head on a table and, you know, crack it open and start bleeding. But but yeah, like that, that scene shows so like, it's such a minor scene, but it shows so much anger and range. Yeah. I think
2: the fact too, that he himself is, is a parent. And I read a little thing in there where it's like the script, he had less kids, but he actually had them change the script so that he had seven kids. Because that's how many he has in real life.
1: Right.
0: It's too many kids. So, so many kids. He has more than that now. Too. Yeah.
2: So it's just like, I think I think he really took this film to heart from like a parental point of view. I mean, I, the, the fact that you would change the amount of kids you have in the script to match your own tells me you're, that's what you're tapping into for yeah. all these scenes. You're really treating these kids as if they're your own
0: yeah absolutely especially since not all of them served a purpose you know like three kids were meaningful in the movie yeah there
1: were three kids that were like he has the he has the one youngest daughter who's like oh she won't talk to me and then it makes like a big emotional
2: moment at the end yeah and 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 cannon fodder child and uh cannon fodder child um And then the other two that were just there to hold guns for that one really fucking cool scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which I will say, my favorite Mel Gibson moment in this movie is one of the quieter moments too. And it's immediately after, like there, you know, there's a scene where his son, uh, the kid from Small Soldiers is murdered by uh Lucius Malfoy.
2: Holy shit, you're right. That is the kid. From it's the yeah. soldiers.
1: <laughs> Gregory Smith. Um he's he's murdered by Lucius Malfoy or Jason yeah, Isaacs. Is. Um <laughs> yeah he is <laughs> um and then he takes his two like you know he's he's pissed off he takes his two sons to go murder this entire regiment of, mm. of british soldiers and the scene immediately after that like i love that this movie does take the time to kind of show them reckoning with it and mm. my what probably my favorite scene in the movie and it's a, a pretty small bit is where immediately afterward he's going to talk to his older of the two sons who helped him yeah. and he's like there to console him he's like i want he's like i want you to know son that what you did you know you you killed these men and that was what you had to do like i don't want you to feel like you did anything mm-hmm. wrong and then his son is like no i'm glad i killed them yeah and yeah. the like he's there trying to console his son and the facial reaction that that mel gibson gives is like oh shit like i don't know yeah. like you can see the the conflict in his face where it's like oh my god am i traumatizing my children mm-hmm. even more by having them participate in this Oh yeah, his other went, son is just inconsolable. You know, like he he just turns away from him, and can't even talk to him.
2: Yeah, he, he absolutely so traumatized him because I made a note of that scene when he, you know, hacks the last guy basically to death, and then yeah. just turns, and his face is just soaked in blood, mm-hmm. and his kids see that look on his face. I couldn't it, like the the person the the scene that you just mentioned makes absolute sense after seeing him like that.
3: Yeah,
1: like
2: yeah. Of course one of his kids is like, daddy's a fucking maniac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And, and you know, I love the other kids like, like the, yeah, I get why you did it. But the other kid is like, yeah. I'm never going to do ro- anything wrong for the rest of my life now because <laughs> I don't want you spanking me with that look in your eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, <and laughs> that's one of the and things
1: I love that the
0: movie plays both sides of that too. Like it's really, mm-hmm. it's really great. Well, and that's one of the things that yes, like it, it is definitely great acting to be able to pull that off but that is also, to me, one of like those little Emmerich bits in terms mm-hmm. of, I think Emmerich does such a great job with directing nonverbal acting. I guess mm-hmm. he also does great directing you know, actual words, but it, it's those little scenes where all that you have to go on is just the look on the people's faces. Because um, mm-hmm. like right before Mel Gibson turned around, uh, after he finished <laughs> hacking that dude to pieces, you see the look on each of his kids. Yeah. And you see the trauma that they've gone through, even Heath Ledger is like, "What the fuck yeah <laughs> and and like you see that on each of those kids and and like you know why he's doing it. You know why he did what he did, and like, yeah, it was for a good reason in terms of saving his son, but at the same time, it's just like that that's so brutal and mm. it, it's never easy to kill someone." Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we're definitely going to get to uh, in a little bit, just in terms of like the role of death in general in this yeah. movie.
2: <clears throat> well, it, it gives us a good preview, too, because they held off. Well, this is one of the things Emmerich, I thought, did really well when it talked about the the name of the Fort, fort Wilderness.
3: Mm-hmm. And it kept
2: talking about he's what he did at Fort Wilderness, what he did at Fort Wilderness. And they put it off. I, 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 this is when I'm like, OK, yeah, this was definitely written by the same guy who wrote Private Ryan. Because this is the Tom Hanks. What did you do back in the country? yeah? Back in the old home,
1: <laughs> exactly. You
2: know, what did you do speech? But they just kept, you know, you get little glimpses of what it, he might have done, yeah. There and then, so that way, when you actually hear what he did, it's 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 still horrific. Mm. But you're like, okay, I see how he was capable of that in these moments, you know? yeah
1: yeah yeah it's it's great it shows exactly why he is the way he is now like and it, that that look the kids give is so great too because at that point like they you you know the movie establishes pretty clearly that they see him as kind of weak you know what i mean like because he's not like all of his sons are like you need to be fired even his you know 15 year old son who was murdered before like before that, but you know, obviously before he died, he was like, <laughs> I have to wait to like there's a, yes, the, that great the scene ghost where he, was
0: not chiding him for not being a yes. part of the war.
1: <laughs> yeah. But you get that incredible like the the scene where he puts on uh the uniform and he's kind of staring at himself in the mirror and his dad's like or Mel Gibson is like, No, you can't do this, like take that off mm-hmm. right now. And he's tells him he can't enlist for two years or whatever because he's fifteen. <laughs> And he's like, what, two years, the war will be over by then? And he's (coughs) like, yeah, God willing. And like, that's such a great scene. And that's something that I really connected with because like my oldest son, like, you know, his friends are all into Fortnite and stuff. And I, I like, I used to play violent video games and shooting games when I was younger, but like he's getting so into it and he's like learning what different types of guns are and stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of. I know this is normal for kids to do, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want him to grow up and be like some kind of warmonger who thinks that like shooting things is cool and doesn't really understand the
0: implications of what he's saying. Yeah. It is absolutely different as a parent and, and watching the Patriot. Cause again, it's been probably at least 15 years since I've seen it, probably closer to, you know, 19 or 20. Um, but it, it's been so long since I've seen it. The, the first time that I watched it, I was a kid. And so it was a lot of, yay, America's fighting the evil Redcoats. Hurrah! And it's sad that the kids were dying, but it was like, hurrah! Get the Redcoats. Yay! Wow. Now as a parent, every single scene of this movie hit me so much harder than it probably does for other yeah. people. And, and just in general, that's one of the things that I love so much about Emmerich's movies is he's able he's able to take fairly simple themes, but wrap just enough of you could be in the same situation that it's so easy for me at least to relate to it. And it's so easy for me to get caught up in it. And and I don't understand why people hate Emmerich movies because damn it, he is a (laughs) good director that that all of these movies, I mean, even with Godzilla, it, it was tugging on some heartstrings when Godzilla was like, when Godzilla basically pulled a Mel Gibson, Holding his uh, d- dead babyzilla yeah. in his arms, uh, yeah. <laughs> like I I don't know if Emmerich has a great relationship with his father or like just the worst relationship with his father and trying to work through it in all of his movies. I don't know if you know well, this, but his father is actually Godzilla. Oh, like, oh,
2: that he had his
1: dad play Godzilla in uh, in that film.
2: Well, the film has that really great line uh, after the initial vote, where Gibson was like, "I'm not, I'm not going to go to war," mm-hmm. where it's it's that infinitely relatable moment where he says, you know, parents don't have the luxury of principles. Yeah, you know, we've all been like, oh, my kid is never going to eat junk food. No way would I feed my kid a Twinkie at seven in the morning until that time when you're just like, F- it, eat it, kid. I don't yep. care. You know, if that's what you want to eat this morning, go ahead. You yeah, know? every parent has had that moment where, like, no, I'm. You know, when you're new, you're like, my kid's going to do this and this and this and this. And your principles are what they are. And then, yeah, they will fold from time to time on what what the situation is. You know, if if you stand true to whatever it is your principles are rigidly, you're probably going to end up being a terrible parent.
0: Well, and know. that's one of the things like just from a bigger theme perspective about this movie that makes it such an interesting film. The fact that, you know, when Gibson was giving a soul speech of like, no, I'm not voting to go to war because I don't want to put myself in, uh, in, in, in harm's way because I need to care for my family. And since I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to send someone else in my stead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then like when he's talking to Heath Ledger and he's like, when you have your own family, you'll, you'll understand. But he's like, no, we're, we we need to go fight for our freedom and all this other stuff. Like, you know, Heath is very, like, driven by idealism. And he's very much like, you know, we, we have a cause and we need to fight for this cause. Mel Gibson is very much, I have a family and I need to fight mm-hmm. for this family. And just that back and forth, that constant back and forth throughout this movie of what is the right thing to do? You know, like, is it better to fight for your family but have your country fall or fight for your country and end up losing your family in the process. And just the way that he's able to balance that and the way that he's able to con by he, I mean, Emmerich like constantly shift tones in a way that I feel like makes sense. You know, like I I don't ever feel like any of the decisions are way out of character for the characters. It feels like, yeah, that's what they would have done given the rest of the things that led up to that point but I never know where the movie itself lands on, you know, the, again, individualism versus patriotism. And it's such an odd thing for a movie called The Patriot to have, you know, kind of complicated views on patriotism. Yeah, I I do appreciate the, that about this movie.
1: Like, I feel like, you know, the the film is The Patriot, and he very much is like, not willing to stand up and fight at the beginning of the film. And, you know, then he learned, I don't know. I like that the movie does present it very complicated, but I also feel like it makes some of the later scenes ring a bit false later on in the film, because it does eventually get into that very like propagandistic.
2: I don't know. It's literal flag waving. (laughs) literal flag waving
1: yeah absolutely and i don't know it it, i have a similar issue like i did with godzilla where it tonally it doesn't always work i do appreciate that emery tries to do like the both sides it tries to make it complex it tries to show mel gibson like being very conflicted with his views and with how he feels about all of this but it also is like at the very end you get the John Williams score swelling as you know the Americans are brutally like whenever they do their like surprise attack at the end when the British come over the hill and see the Continental Army like the fact that that scene has the John Williams music swelling and it's so inspiring as like they're just mowing down all of these red coats it's like ah, oh, this feels a bit too
0: much like it yeah, is a you little also too have to remember they just built a or burned a church with the entire town in it so yeah that is which is a an
1: insane anachronism (laughs) like a wild anachronism but (laughs) i mean i get it like like i do get it. like it is a triumphant moment don't get me wrong but it's triumphant because of the fact that it paints the villains pretty one-dimensionally for the most part like they do show a lot of the grunts you know, mm-hmm. the kind of field soldiers feeling very conflicted about things whenever Tavington yeah. is telling them to like burn down the burn down Mel Gibson's house or burn down the church or whatever. They're like, What are you sure? Like, really? You really want us to do this? Or And then, you know, they end up doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, they do tr- sort of give them a little bit of humanity, but overall, it is very one sided, <laughs> I feel like.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it well, is... it was an interesting where, where you're talking about that, where it's, um, One of the things that struck me was the whole idea of civilized warfare versus necessary warfare, Mm -hmm. where you've got the civilized warfare. You've got General uh, Commander Cornwallis, whatever his rank was, I can't remember. Who's a very civilized man of honor. War has rules; you follow those rules. You can't
1: take out the officers first.
2: you can't take out the officers first, and
1: you got to stand in a line and shoot at each other.
2: If he had been the one villain. This film would have been completely different, yeah. Because it's hard to root against that guy. Because yes, he does see these people. You know, they're uprising against the crown, but he doesn't want to kill them. You know, the fact that you know he sets the very clear guidelines for war and prisoner transfers, and you know, you do not do this. Mm. You, 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 we are very weird. He, I think he calls it gentlemanly at like yeah. one. Point, you know, um, versus. You know, Colonel Tavington, who has, do you want me to win this war or not? Mm. If you want me to win this war, this is what I need to do, and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. And I I, uh, love that back and forth. I mean, it very much makes Tavington a mustache twirler most of the movie.
1: Yeah. Like, Jason Isaacs is great. Yeah. I do feel like if you eliminated him from the movie, it actually makes it a stronger movie because it Mm -hmm. is much less black and white in terms of who the villain is and who isn't because that's, yeah. that's something that's so fascinating to me about the Revolutionary War in general too is like the rules of engagement that they had and the fact that <laughs>
3: uh, like like there's
1: that great scene where Heath Ledger and Mel Gibson are standing in the bar bo- I love that there's so many scenes where people are just like standing in houses watching battlefields out in their backyard <laughs> like,
0: yeah beautifully like, shot so battlefields
1: Battlefield, yes. Um, but they're just sitting there, like, oh my god, can you believe these fucking idiots out here just standing and standing in front of yeah. each other, shooting marching at each other in,
2: in a straight line? And how do you not feel bad for the drummers?
1: Yeah, you got like the drummers like, and stuff that can't. Why even are those guys like... still
2: standing at the front of the line? <laughs> Come it's on, crazy too, at least like, let you'll... the drummers stand in row number two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> give him at least, give him at least a fighting chance. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so wild to me that this is something that really used to happen like mm-hmm. I, it's really hard to wrap my head around the fact that like you'll see them like especially with the fact that they're using muskets and stuff they get one shot and then they got to take like 10 minutes to reload yeah. that's that's an exaggeration but like you'll see them fire off a shot and as they're reloading the people people are being taken down and the other people are like being sprayed with blood and they're just like <laughs> like they're <Getting> obviously, faster <laughs> yeah they're just like they go a little bit faster but they're still like not moving and it's like my god can you imagine being in that situation. That is just so no. crazy. Nope. To me. And it feels so authentic too,
0: like the way that they stage mm-hmm. that. Oh man, that that's one of the things. God, I love Emmerich movies. One of the things that I love is his attention to D2. No, granted, it's not always there, but when it's there, I think it's brilliant. The fact that so many people in the Patriot turn away when they fire their gun.
2: Yeah. Like to
0: avoid the mm-hmm. um the the uh, gun the gunpowder flash Like, you know, that's one of the things that really highlights why they were so inaccurate. It's not just the fact that um, muskets weren't that accurate to begin with, but also, yeah, like if you're firing it, you have an explosion in your face. You're going to turn away to try to not be blinded from that. And so, like, yeah, you're probably going to, you know, aim a a lot. Mm. It's little things like that uh, that I felt like really brought some realism to this. It's super easy to overlook. a lot of people in this movie were great aim, like, yeah. <laughs> they really are. I, I have a yeah. theory as to uh why Lucius Malfoy had such great aim because he's a wizard because he's a wizard yes yeah.
1: <laughs> well I love to like it it does feel so authentic like the when I was like for the first like thirty minutes of this movie, I was in total awe because I was like, God, they just don't make. Big budget epics like this anymore where everything is on the Mm -hmm. screen like they like they had the smithsonian institute actually like make sure that the costumes were accurate and it's i think it's the first time the smithsonian had ever gotten involved in a film production and they have like 800 extras on screen at a time and they build entire towns and they build ships just to blow them up and they like it is a real movie like you know what I mean like nowadays a movie like this would have so much CGI and there's a little bit of it but it's not yeah. a, super egregious it's mostly just to like fill in some of the gaps and some of the in like wide shots usually yeah
2: know? and those yeah. wide shots though, but when you see people running around it's like no those are people
1: yeah running around, absolutely.
2: not Not programs.
1: I was just like, especially like in the opening scene where they go to town, I can't remember what the town, I think it's, is it Charlestown that they go to in the beginning? They're like, Oh, we're going to Charlestown. Like they go to the courthouse (laughs) and you just say Charlestown rather than Charleston, which I'm so used to. But yeah, <laughs> But like, it's just so incredible. Like there are just all these people milling about and doing things and shooting off fireworks and, or not, I mean, they're shooting off their guns in the air. <laughs> um, I Same don't know. Thing. It's just incredible. I feel like you just don't see this kind of scale on film anymore. Even in like a, you know, a Marvel movie, which probably has twice the budget of something like the Patriot. It's still mostly done on a stage.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like th- the thing about movies like, I mean, even gladiator. Where a good ninety-nine percent of that Coliseum was just CG.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like it it even though that is definitely an epic movie, it loses some of that feel when you just have, you know, little CG or like little dots on um on Q tips filling in as those extras. Yeah.
1: It, it, and this movie is shot so like on location. Authentic. Like again, the locations are just extraordinary. Like that bayou that they go to, is such an incredible set. Like, it's such a mm-hmm. cool little hideout. It reminded me of, of Red Dead Redemption 2. Yes! Uh, you get, a you get like, a bayou hideout at one point in the game, and I was like, yep. oh, man, I bet they totally pulled that from this movie. Mm-hmm. It just looks incredible.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. one of the things that's always fast about, fascinated me about the South um, is all the people that do, like, the war reenactments. Mm-hmm. And I, I can only imagine they put out, like, a call to, like, you know not just civil war reenactors but like any war reenactor like hey do you want to be an extra come be in this yeah cuz you know it like you said the realism is there
3: mm. you know with, well, not- with
2: the marching and the 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 order of war and yeah. well apparently
1: even like the the battle tactics that they like you know much like Saving Private Ryan they sent like a a big chunk of these people to a boot camp to like teach them how to like how they actually fought back then like the way that it, it's interesting too like the Revolutionary War is largely after that you know they do their first volley and like take out the frontline people at a certain mm-hmm. point it just becomes hand-to-hand combat like they're just beating the yeah. shit out of each other with their guns and bayonets and stuff and, yeah well uh, the
2: majority of people don't in these in this war, didn't die from like direct gunshot wound. Right. It was you know, you took a bullet in the thigh and you died a week later. Yeah,
1: that you get gangrene big. or something. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And I, I and, and that really shows because I mean there are a startling amount of headshots in this movie, <laughs> but there are still you know you know the the bloody hand to hand combat was just really well choreographed.
1: Yeah. It's very visceral.
2: Yeah. Everyone turning around like their handguns so and they're hitting them like they're basically pistol whipping people with the butt of their handgun. Man,
0: mm-hmm. speaking of uh, close quarters combat with uh, things being beautifully shot, I shouldn't love this scene because of how sad it is on so, so many levels. But the scene where um, I can't ever pronounce his last name, but the dude who plays Odo in Deep Space Nine
2: Rene, Aber- Aber- I can't or Aberg- ever pronounce Aberg- his last
0: Aberg- name. Yes. Aberg- Aberg- yeah, that dude. When Rene gets shot, <clears throat> when the pastor gets shot, it's so sad because, man, he is such a good actor. And I love yeah, everything he's great. that he's been in. And just, God, he, he always gives 110%. But the, when he gets shot, it's such a sad scene. But, you know, as he's falling back and he throws the pistol up because... Apparently that's what you do when you're falling. You yep. just kind of <laughs> throw things up in the then, air. He's like, Whoa. "That was a,
2: that was such a gangster move, man. It was something like straight out of a John Woo film." Right
0: there. <laughs> and Heath Ledger just walking up, catching it in slow motion. It is such a badass scene, yeah. and again, kind of perfectly highlights why Emmerich films I love, but are also that's complicated. The, that's the Emmerich
1: touch for the rest. Yeah. well. Yeah. Like that's the
0: thing is, it is a heartbreaking scene. One of my favorite characters just got shot for protecting a dude who's about to die, who was seeking vengeance because this guy just burned down a church full of a town. Like, there is nothing about that scene that should have any sort of fun. Yeah, you shouldn't be pumping your fist when this what? movie does
2: have a comic mix yeah. fun. Where there's a scene where it's like, oh, that was awful. And I, I'm, um, first thing that comes to mind is the suicide oh god followed immediately by the wedding yeah (laughs) followed then immediately by a church it's like dude your tone is way it's all over the map in this half an hour
1: which (laughs) yeah that's definitely an emmerich thing for sure and that like that was the thing like the scene where heath ledger catches the gun in particular like i get where you're coming from nathan i do it's so badass Like it's awesome, but I feel like it shouldn't be. Especially because the rest of the movie is so. Again, there's so much attention to detail with these things, and they try to make the warfare so authentic. And then you get like the John Woo badass I'm going to catch your gun. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like Like if
2: you pulled that move off in a video game, (laughs) you'd be like saving that and then sending it out to twitch because you're like look at this badass thing <laughs> you did this was so like fucking cool they should have like yeah. they
1: should have done like a scott pilgrim style like i because i watched scott pilgrim uh, yesterday too It like i feel like you could have gotten like a score bonus that pops up <laughs> <Yeah>. above, <laughs> above his head
2: <laughs> like some sort of weird
0: combo
1: <laughs> oh man
0: style points oh. yeah the the tone definitely jumps around and I don't know how much of that is Emmerich just being like, hey, I want the scene in the movie, so it's going to happen. And how much of it, not necessarily uh, that badass scene with Heath, Heath Ledger, but going from suicide to wedding to church burning to badass scene. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much of that, though, is, is at least an attempt at, well, I mean, you know, people were living in war, and like that's what they did. Mm-hmm. They kept on living or at least yeah. trying to. And and even though it definitely adds a pretty drastic tonal shift, I don't hate it. Like, I don't hate that tonal shift because it's showing, even mm-hmm. within the context of all of these horrible things happening, like, it, it gives you that glimpse of this is why they are still fighting. Like, this yeah. is what they are fighting for. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, I, I really appreciate that um now whether or not it could have been handled better probably See, but... for me
2: for me that could have been excised completely because we get that heath ledger cares for that woman i don't yeah. need them to be married five seconds before she gets burned to death
1: um, True. and to pull a red wedding on us
2: e- exactly um it, it, to me that again, and especially in a film that's two hours and 45 minutes, I'm going to be looking at scenes that I don't feel need to be there. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, on this one, they were just, he was purposely upping the ante when it didn't need to be upped. Because that church scene is horrifying yeah. regardless if Heath Ledger is married to that girl or not. Yeah, It's absolutely horrifying, and that would have been enough for me. And I actually think that would have played well after the suicide type, you know, it's like it's got the best stretch yeah. of moment where every where things are going well for the heroes, and then there's a long stretch of things going horrible for them. Uh, I, the,
1: I'm with you. I do like like I think what really sells that moment, especially. I, I do like one thing I wouldn't cut is finding some reason for Mel Gibson to give her the the, the North mm-hmm. Star necklace because the way that that kind of they kind of hit home with that where he finds that in the rubble and yeah. that's how they figure out oh yeah they were in the church yeah and he kind of has that moment where he looks up at the cross on the wall that's you know charred and everything like that's pretty <laughs> powerful i really like the mm-hmm. way that they do that i mean it's not totally necessary like i think a lot of the emotional beats in this movie for whatever reason like i they work but also like Despite the fact that I cry at like 90% of the movies I watch, this isn't a movie that I ever really got misty eyed at, except for yeah. maybe one scene, but even
0: still, like, was, I don't know. Was it's, that when Mel Gibson's daughter started running towards him saying, Daddy, don't leave? I'll say anything that you want.
1: No, that is very sweet. Okay. Um, honestly, the that one that got really me hard. was the part where. Heath Ledger dies, and he's holding him, mm-hmm. and he really breaks down, and he talks about his sins returning to visit him, like that that breakdown mm-hmm. where he's like, "I've lost so much. Like, why does this keep happening?" Mm-hmm. You know, like his that's like that's the big oscary kind of moment. So yeah. it's you know it he Mel Gibson still, I mean, it's phenomenal, but um that was right. the one that got me. I do I do love the like the little the scene with the little girl is very it's kind of contrived. You can see it coming, but it still works mm-hmm. really well. It's yeah, very sweet. Well, Especially
0: with how earnestly Mel Gibson runs after her. <laughs> That's one of the things that I would definitely agree with uh, on, on Emmerich movies, because most of the stuff I'm probably going to defend more than either of you. But that is definitely one of the things that I absolutely agree with. Um, so much of what Emmerich does in his movies, it's expected. You know, like there's not that much that happens that you're like, whoa, never saw that coming. It's like, well, yeah, of course that's gonna happen. Oh, they're getting married during a war. Of course she's about to die. Like you see all of these things coming, but I don't care. Like (laughs) even though his movies not not necessarily Mm -hmm. always be the most original, there's still I, I feel like they still capture all of that movie. Magic, you know, like there is, mm. even though Braveheart is absolutely a better movie, there's something about Patriot, the Patriot, that feels realer somehow. Maybe it's because it's not because it's actually based on reality instead of Braveheart. Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if I go that far though. This movie has just about as much.
2: Well, at least criticism. this, this, he did it was based on the Swamp Fox, the guy, the Swamp Fox, which is. Kinda similar, at least to the Mel Gibson ghost.
0: Yeah, but, yeah. I wish that he had actually been a ghost. That would be even more. Awesome. <laughs> he was
2: a real, He's really the ghost See, is actually. That I
0: wouldn't have expected. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Turns out Mel Gibson was dead all along. That's the the M Night
0: Shyamalan version of the film. <laughs> yes. And oh god, can you imagine how awesome of a movie it would be if the Patriot was exactly the same, but turn it into a horror movie. Where the militia really are like you know ghosts, and it is a ghost army attacking. Mm-hmm. The They're like ghosts. the ghosts at the end of at, in Return of the King. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah.
0: How oh, awesome would that be?
1: That would be, would be great. Cool. I, yeah. I'd love it. I'd be totally fine if that was like a rug pull moment at the end. Yeah, I was like, you know what? It fits. It works. <laughs> <laughs> I will say one thing I do think that like we, we keep talking about these tonal the tonal whiplash of this film. I do think that there are a lot of bi- there are some big there's some big tonal whiplash. But I do think that most of the time it kind of works because this movie is it is very old fashioned. Like it feels like a movie that could have been made, you know, in the old Hollywood era, like very gone with the wind s kind of. So, like, I, I like how melodramatic it can kind of get. And I like that it's pretty corny at times. Um, like the, the whole like bit with the uh, ink on the T. like, I, I, here, okay, <laughs> let me, let me back up a little bit. I think the humor in this movie, there are like, uh, there's a lot of, there are a lot of jokes in this movie. And unlike Godzilla 98, most of them are pretty funny. That's because
0: Amrick knows
1: how to do humor. There's good physical humor in this movie. Like yeah. it's really like my, right from the beginning, I absolutely love the bit with Mel Gibson building the rocking chair. And falling like you know he's gonna fall when he sits in it but it still is so funny and the fact that he throws it into a pile of broken rocking chair rocking chairs is so funny and the best and the, part
0: of is, that is oh the payoff the an payoff, hour yes. and a half oh, later God. when he sits in uh, Cornwallis's rocking chair he's like huh
3: <laughs>
0: this he one sits works. And, and like he just kind of throws his hands up like what the what?" <laughs> it's I, like, so
1: funny that was, I was a great love moment. that
2: that and the moments with the dogs
1: yeah oh yeah all the stuff with the dogs is really good i love the i love it whenever they're recruiting people at that tavern and uh the guy that's with him is like are you sure this is the right place he's like god save king george and everyone like pulls out their pistols like it's (laughs) it's pretty broad stuff but it's really well done yeah
0: and i i also love uh since we're on the the humor side i love when heath ledger's um betrothed father who is deaf um, oh, but Heath yeah. Ledger is asking for permission to write letters to her and he's saying can I write her and like they're going back and forth a little bit because he's deaf and he's like huh and and then the daughter's like he wants to write me letters he's like oh write her write
1: her okay you know <laughs> what makes this joke even funnier is if you go read Roger Ebert's review of this movie he mentions that scene specifically and then in parentheses he, in parentheses he says like what did he think he said? Like <laughs> yeah. it seems like a genuine question, like he genuinely didn't understand the yeah. joke. Which yeah, is did he so think funny. Like, he
2: was saying like can I bite her? Can I bite her? <laughs> there's not much inappropriate that rhymes with right. <laughs> and,
0: and that oh, is no, what I so love funny. about that that bit of humor. And God, so much of Emmerich's humor is he doesn't always explain the joke. No. Which yeah. god he, he I love that. Aside from Godzilla, he handles it so well. Like you don't need someone saying, "Oh, he thought that Heath Ledger was saying ride her, like like you know, ah, like, like banging, um. you know, like like having intercourse."
2: See, speaking
0: of Godzilla, I thought your favorite
2: source of humor would be the snide Frenchman. Oh
0: my God, can we talk? Okay, I, I do have in my notes uh, that we Emmerich does this. love having just you know the French. frenchie has got a French. I have to say,
1: yeah. it really bugs me that there's only one French dude in this movie, and the movie is constantly like, "God, when the when the hell are these French people gonna show up?" Like, oh, yeah. come on, guys, we really need you, you French people here. It um, bugs me that that guy like, there isn't are, it, Gerard like, so Depardieu
0: because I keep expecting him to be him. Oh, <laughs> that he's, if he's Gerard Depardieu, he yeah, every time that I look at him, it's like, why isn't that guy Gerard Depardieu? I can't it's, remember it's who he
1: is. He's what's funny too is like he's supposed to be based on Marquis de Lafayette. Uh you know. And so I kept thinking like, man, why isn't he David Diggs? Like that's who <laughs> he really should be.
2: See, I, I I thought when the boats finally pull into shore, like it would be Jean Renault at the front, yes. like chewing uh, yeah.
1: And- <laughs> yeah. Why isn't he Jean Renault? It would have been great. <laughs> um oh, you know what? There's another great bit of humor. I, I love all of the jokes where Cornwallis is like just really wanting new clothes. <laughs> and they keep fucking, fucking with him, and like taking his, like taking his, uh, stuff whenever they rob the stagecoach thing, and then yeah. they blow up the ship that's coming in because they took the guns off the ship first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there are times that this that's movie feels very Robin Hood esque. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I do like that. It is kind of, it's a little obnoxious that they make it out to be like Mel Gibson is the inventor of guerrilla warfare. <laughs>
2: with this malicious. mel gibson gorilla prankster
1: <laughs> oh man they're
0: literally the gorillas in the mist when they're out there and the g and og stands for gibson exactly <laughs> oh man no, that was um, a
2: great scene though when he called for the parlay and like i've got all your officers out there and we're gonna shoot them and they were all dummies and
1: It's one of those scenes, that's another one where like the the tonal whiplash is kind of weird because it's like, it's a really triumphant, great moment, how he manages to break all of his, uh, like spring all of his men out and their dummies Mm -hmm. or whatever. But like, it also feels like it belongs in a different movie. You know what I mean? Like, again, like the movie, it feels like it's, you know, like a, it's, it's really fun and has like a kind of Soderbergh-esque quality to it, like an Ocean's 11 heist thing that they have to do. And get the big reveal at the end like it's a great isolated sequence <laughs> but it feels a little out of place in the movie that is otherwise like really grounded like you can't I can't imagine anything like that ever
2: really happening I don't know it well especially since at the end of that scene you have him in um Tavington's face off essentially
1: yeah and he's it's like, like oh
2: shit shit discovered. apparently that was ad lib the soon
1: yeah yeah I, yeah I read that too. which
2: I kind of I love because I think that's a great great it's line good, right yeah there. yeah because you just know this movie is going to end. Lethal Weapon, you know Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. Gary Busey style, with these two just duking it out in the middle of yeah, all hell raining, you know breaking loose.
1: And I think that's what's weird about this movie because it is absolutely just like a summer action movie smuggled into a an austere revolutionary war drama. Like it's, yeah, it wants to be an anti-war film while also making you think yeah. that like these dudes are the coolest fucking people to walk the planet. Yeah.
2: It and does have all the beats. Be the, yeah. yeah, it has all the beats of an action, a summer action flick. Yeah,
1: and I, I can't remember the exact sequence, but, like, immediately after, yeah, because it's after that scene whenever, like, Cornwallis is like, all right, Tavington, do your worst. And then he goes mm-hmm. and he, like, b- kills all of their family and tries to hunt down them at the plant, hunt down Gibson's family at the plantation, which is also a great scene.
2: It was a Run- great scene until the very end when they're literally running out of the building. And you can and like what, all the soldiers is are running video, around them. It's a video game sequence where yeah. it's like you know they're they're just turned and facing in the wrong direction, so you can run to the bush and hide. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> it's it, you know as long as you stay out of their little cone of vision, you're good. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's the way that it works. Well, they're playing that, Metal Gear Solid. That kind of ties back in um, to what Dan and I were talking about uh, during Dan's um, prior information with this film in terms of like it didn't feel very Emmerich-y because it felt more uh, it, it felt more weighty it felt like it had a bit more gravitas because it was trying to be more serious but it still yeah. is like that big summer action blockbuster movie and and I still hold that if you just like if you just change one thing it drastically changes the tone of this movie without anything else needing to be changed again yeah. like replace redcoats with aliens and it is no longer like the, this heartbreaking, serious historical—you know—quasi-historical drama. It's a badass alien invasion movie. It's Independence yeah. Day, yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Like re- replace it with uh, with ghosts, and yeah. the, I'd be
2: very interested to know like what people <laughs> in Germany thought of this film, or people who aren't American who don't give a f- about American history. Uh-huh.
1: When this movie was released, from what I was reading, the Brits especially were pretty pissed off about <laughs> it. About the, way that they, <laughs> about the way that they depicted Tavington, especially because Tavington's based on uh, Bannister Tarleton, who for a long time was a big boogeyman for the U.S. side. But apparently, like the Brits really uh, dispute a lot of the uh, the legends that the U.S. kind of created around Tarleton mm-hmm. and that they say that he was actually, you know, a pretty honorable kind of guy. Um so yeah, like this movie, there were a lot of things that people were kind of like pissed off about, which there's one thing are, that I wholeheartedly agree with, which we'll get into in a minute, but uh, there are certain things where like it is, you know, there, a lot of these are composite characters, you know, they're not directly based on, you know, he's Mel Gibson's yeah. not directly based on the swamp Fox. He's, you know, he's based on a yeah. number of different people and yeah, but
2: people who have no dog in this fight historically, like,
0: <laughs> what do they, what do they think of it? yeah well and again take it out like of a, you know roland
1: emmerich who is german <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> what's roland emmerich think about the patriot roland emmerich who is himself an alien um like from outer space is what i yes. meant yeah yes um but, but like that's the thing take it out of that historical context and do they have a like, does anyone else really have a reason to think anything about the movie versus just, all right, you know, the simple people of the land being attacked by the invaders trying to take away their freedom. Like that is so many movies that that's just like all of the movies, you know, like that is such a, a classic theme. It's just because it's set in history that uh that like it feels it feels different and it feels like ah is that really what happened is that hmm i don't know that that's kind of bastardizing history which i get but also it's a movie and i'm not i'm not (laughs) saying this like to you i'm saying this just kind of like in general of like yeah it's not real like i don't think at no point did I ever think, Ooh, was this really based off a real? It's like, no, it's, you know, it's a story that was set during a real period of time, but watching the movie, it made me want to go find out more. You know, like yeah. this is the kind of movie that watching it, I was like, man, I don't know enough about the Revolutionary War. I should go and study it more. You know, obviously, I know the broad strokes, but, like, some of those details about some of the, um, you know, like the dude that you were just talking about that uh, Tarvington or whatever is based off of, you know, like, I want to read more about him. I want to read more about the Swamp Fox. I want to read more about these, these characters in history. And that's one of the things that... I think some people forget about when they're watching movies is that movies are entertainment. And even if there is something about them that is grounded in reality, it is not a documentary. Like it is not presented know, a historical I... fact. And, and I get, I, I know one of the things that you're about to say, and yes, we're going to get into that in terms of like why yeah, well, sometimes that does also matter. Uh huh. But also, just like, in general, it's like, well, the British were never this evil. It's like, well, sure. But also, this isn't necessarily a story about the evil British. Yeah. It's a story about the evil army, you know, uh, imposing, the evil army imposing on the freedoms of of the smaller people. Like, that's the yeah. story. Just happens to use redcoats rather than aliens.
2: And guess what? Alexander Hamilton didn't really rap. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you need to take that license to make the story more entertaining.
1: I don't know. Like I think with Hamilton, obviously, like it goes so far. It abstracts the Revolutionary War so far that it works really well. This movie, Mm -hmm. I think the biggest issue is it tries to really have it both ways because Mm -hmm. it tries so hard to be so authentic, but also to be death wish. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's where it where it gets kind of like I, I get the criticisms for sure. Oh
0: I get I get um, the
1: criticisms. And I think they're fair. Especially like if you're you know, if you're ostensibly basing the some of these characters on real people, uh if you're mischaracterizing those people to the extent that you're making them seem much more evil than they actually were. I get that. I, I mean, yes, and I, I, I get it. I do get it, and I understand it. Especially if you're, like, outright saying, like, oh, yeah, this person is based on this. You know what I mean? Like
0: Again, I get it. I get it, and I do understand I the criticisms. Like, I also, I, I think of things like grim fairy tales. You know, I think of these stories where it's like, all right, here is a simple morality tale to get kids to understand whatever. Don't go into the woods at night, or don't follow strangers, or don't steal from a giant or whatever, like whatever that morality tale is supposed to be. You know, it's one thing to just say, Hey, don't do this thing that you shouldn't do. It's another thing to then embellish it into this big grand story to really drive it home. (laughs) Not only to emphasize the morality of it, but also to get kids to remember it. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like that's what movies are doing. And it's like, yeah, of course, uh, Emmerich is trying to have it both ways with, yes, this is grounded in reality. But also here's this really badass out with the also Mel Gibson only
1: employs freed slaves. Look, we'll Well, get to that. We'll get to that in a second.
2: They they whitewashed the shit. We will get to that in a second. That is literally (laughs) the next thing that we're getting
0: to. Finish your point. (laughs) I'm just saying, I... I don't have the same criticisms of movies that I used to even just a few years ago of, well, that's not very realistic. I think that I've stopped caring, even if mm. something is, quote unquote, based on a true story. I think that I've stopped caring because it's still entertainment. And, you yeah, know, I, I think, well, I think about like when I go fishing or just anyone who has ever been fishing and knows you got the fish and tales of, yeah, I caught a fish this big. <sighs> But then by the time you're telling your friends about it, caught a fish this big. It's like I love hand gestures on podcasts where people could see what you're talking (laughs) about. That's why (laughs) I'm also changing the tone.
1: tone. Yeah, putting some good uh, spit on your voice there. Spit on that ball. What What the f*** am I talking about? I I don't don't know, know. dude. That doesn't make any sense. So
0: I, I think of things like that, where it's like, yeah, of course the real story is nothing even close to this. But that's also a boring story. Like if I told you stories of last time that I went fishing, boring. Mm-hmm. If I make up, uh, not make up. If I embellish the, some of those things and like really add in some of those details, which might or might not have actually happened, it's a much more memorable story. Yeah.
1: And if you make Tavington a real bastard, then you then you really relish the moment when the bayonet goes into his throat.
0: Exactly. <clears> throat>
1: like you really like you drive home which the point that you tr- <laughs> drive it home into his throat
0: and drive it home into his throat like you know it's one thing to just be like but because without some of that it's much much easier to understand gibson at the beginning of the story of i'm not gonna fight because i don't want to lose my family so mm-hmm. i'm fine to give up my freedoms because i have a family like it's much easier to understand that side of it if the people trying to take your freedoms are not just like the fucking worst like i i feel like you almost need to emphasize yeah. that to, i feel so conflicted about it oh i i feel conflicted as well like my notes are back and forth between this movie absolutely is just dripping with patriotism and this movie is probably you know the favorite movie of some of the insurrectionists like it's, it's yeah. such a back and forth of like this is a love, total
1: republican dad movie
0: it's a republican dad movie but at the same time it you know, is Gibson, also the, the... but but it's also driving home so many points that are antithetical to white nationalist republican dads <laughs> and so like it's such yeah. a weird it was also made twenty one years ago when some of those themes uh were not as relevant to to our current politics but like and and I think that that's one of the things that makes this movie so interesting is it's based on history it's set or it was made twenty years ago, but it still is relevant in ways that some ways that uh, I think that it was meant to other ways that it was not meant to and that can bring us to yeah this movie uh absolutely Totally whitewashes all, all of American history and being like, oh, yeah, South Carolinian farmers had freed black men. No. At like, least I, this I one. Did. I don't care how good Mel Gibson's character was supposed to be. 1776 South Carolina farmer. Mm. Those were slaves.
1: I, I, it's, it's my biggest problem because I think the movie really wants to try and show you. How complex this is! It wants to show you that like the Americans also committed atrocities when they're you know killing people. They're not a l- giving quarter to those men in like the one scene.
2: Yeah, but they learned that lesson really quick because one person too, yeah. says, "Hey, we shouldn't do that." And they're like, you're "Okay, right. okay." <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's interesting too that Mel Gibson is actually on the side of like take no prisoners, which is kind of and then but then yeah, I he's like, okay. You're it, right, you're right.
2: I kind of wish it had continued that because like like with the whitewashing, like. Emmerich lets America off the hook a lot on some stuff. Yeah. Like it's, we fight we fight the good fight, we we, we we don't have slaves, and and the one black the one black soldier that is in the whole movie gains everybody's
1: respect by the end you know but that's this he is issue. Of donald loge so it really yeah. frustrates me that there's one black character and he doesn't have an arc of his own like his he mm. is there to serve the white narrative like he like you have the scene where he's talking to heath ledger and heath ledger's like got his like obvious symbolism american flag where he picks it up out of the dust and he's rebuilding and, you know refurnishing it or whatever making it look nice um, which which is that
0: like, like that's such a great piece of you do, don't need it you don't need that
1: explained I do like it but it's like it's very it's like very obvious oh it it med- is totally obvious kind of but, stuff
0: but like it's totally obvious but it also works that the entire movie Heath Ledger is trying to like bring America together symbolized through sewing this flag yeah. which is then what his dad uses <laughs> to rally the truth like. It, it is a, a great, great arc, show don't tell. They don't afford to this, this character, the character played by J.
1: Arlen Jones, yes. who's a great actor and deserved way a way meteor role in this film. Like He has a scene where he's talking to Heath Ledger and Heath Ledger's like, hey, we're going to build a better world and everything's going to be equal and perfect and sunshine and rainbows. And then uh, Ockham is just like, equal. okay, cool, sounds good. And yep. then at the end, you know, like throughout the film, Donald Logue is like, oh, I don't want to work with this black dude. I, You suck, whatever. Like, he's a total dick to him. And he's like, oh, I can't believe you're going to get freedom whenever you get out of this. Oh, that's terrible. And then like, they never really have another moment together after that until the end. And he's just like, yeah, you've earned my respect. And it's like, he's because because, yeah, he's fighting for another month after he's already earned his freedom. You know, he's yes. fighting to protect the land that has enslaved him. Cool.
2: Um, Like when he when he could just go to apparently that coastal area that no British can find,
1: (laughs) (laughs) right on the coast, right on the coast,
0: somewhere in South Carolina, no one can find it. To be fair, there are plenty, and by plenty I mean a good ninety percent of the South. That understands nothing about the Gola Islands, so mm-hmm. like sure. current Americans can't find that in their history books. So, <laughs> I buy that the British couldn't find it. I get that it's
1: like it's like this nice safe refuge where it's it's yeah. nothing but I, I I guess just freed slaves who've you know they've created a community for themselves there, but they and they welcome Mel Gibson in there and and his family with open arms because you know he's a good one of the good white people. <laughs> <laughs> god i'm sorry like it's just so absurd
2: he puts them in danger by bringing the one family that is being specifically hunted by the british to them
1: yeah and like (laughs) he he yeah exactly and he and also like the the all of the people who are working as farms get murdered by the british too and they don't really seem to care anyway but like with with occam he is he also fulfills donald Logue's arc because like mm. oh i respect this black man there the token black guy yeah it's so frustrating and like i was reading too that like spike lee was really upset <laughs> I can by he's film. not happy with this he was not <laughs> no he, he 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 wrote like a letter to the hollywood reporter fuming like he said he came out of the theater fuming he and his wife came out of the theater fuming and i get it like oh, i yeah. do think that it's it's deeply frustrating, especially with a film that really, it really tries to make Mel Gibson, a character who is complex, who has committed horrible crimes in his past. And he's not a perfect man. And it would have made his character even more complex if they just made him a slaveholder And had that be some other thing he reckoned with and had actual black characters in this film who have arcs and are not just like, Oh, yep. I'm free now because I was here. Like it's, deeply frustrating and it
2: could have made future war scenes all the better too because the british did basically offered us you know you come fight with us you'll be yeah. free when this is over so that would have been really cool to see like the people that he had, had as his slaves go fight with the british and eventually have to face off yeah
1: absolutely like it a because,
2: great moment where something incredibly interesting could have
1: happened because they do sort of do that a little bit with adam baldwin's character where he was there at the, whenever they were voting on the the referendum at the beginning and he yeah. you know decide he's is, he is a he's a tory you know he fights for the british mm-hmm. um and but you don't like I feel like you could totally cut his character out because there's an interesting idea there that they never really totally fulfill. The only reason he's there is because he knows where Gibson's family is. Well, um, and that's one of the
0: other things. I First off, I completely agree with all of the criticisms of, yeah, the way that this movie handles racism and slavery, it's not the best. It, it is not good. Period. Something that I feel like is a related piece is I don't feel like the side characters are as fleshed out in this movie compared to some of uh, Emmerich's other films. You know, like we were talking about that with independence day that every single minor character, like you feel like you know their world and who they are within it, even with just like two minutes screen time. Like, yeah, yeah, I I do (coughs) feel like Emmerich does have a way of handling those side characters. In the Patriot, I don't. Like the the side characters in this film are not handled as well. And they're still pretty good though. Like, I mean, the, you've it's, got it's, like
2: Chris Cooper bad. as the Colonel
1: is phenomenal and um, Renee Abers. Aubergin- he, Aubergin- he needed to be in that
2: movie more. God, I loved his character. Well, yeah. like that's He's the so thing good.
0: is th- I they were all played well, but I don't feel like they were as well developed. And and you know that it bugs me a but little bit, but is, also I don't care. The, the thing about it, though, is I think that with The Patriot, it's telling a different story. Like, with Independence Day, you are trying to tell the story of, like, the world fighting back against these aliens, and you're telling the story of the world through just a handful of people. But, like, you have all of those side characters to really flesh things out. Or, like, in 2012, you have some characters that, you know, like, they only have three-minute screen time but they have an arc, and and Emmerich is able to handle that. That's also part of what makes his movie so long. But with the Patriot, I I feel like it's a different story. I feel like it is just Mel Gibson and his family and that immediate struggle. And so, well, like the, the further the that, is that most it branches, of the white
1: side characters do get arcs, though. Like Leon Rippey as John Billings does. has an arc adam baldwin has an arc but, donald who's barely in the movie has an
0: arc but Jay jones
1: does not but they just, are
0: not de- I, I, i'm not def- i am not defending yeah. how uh how issues of racism and slavery were handled i'm not defending that at all what i, I am gotcha. saying is even the characters those side characters that have arcs they're not as developed as they could have been and they're not as developed <sighs> as in emmerich's other movies That's not an excuse. That's not saying, oh, well, then it makes sense because I do absolutely agree. I kind of get the feeling that um, that was more of like, all right, here's the story and here's when it's set and here's all the things happening. And someone said to him, "Um, what are you going to do about the fact that they're in South Carolina? Like, are they going to have slaves? (laughs) And he was probably like, all right, the slavery. Uh, No, he had freed slaves. It's okay."
2: (laughs) Like, <laughs> well that's exactly what happened when the guys yeah. like, when Jason Isaacs gives them the opportunity to come or whichever general it might was it Isaacs who gave him the opportunity and they're like but we're already free. He's I think like, so. Oh okay.
1: Yeah. Like, wow, you, like,
2: just, uh, you just took that entire part off the board all all that you know interesting stuff right off the board without. one. Yeah.
0: And, and if this had been like an eight hour movie if this had been a, a, a miniseries <laughs> event I would be so much more pissed about it but it's also one of those things where it's like yeah i i absolutely agree with you eric i am not disagreeing at all mm-hmm. i also feel like in order to handle it appropriately it would have had to have been an entire second movie you know mm-hmm. like th- that's the only way to handle it well with everything else that's already in the movie
1: i just feel like with it, how long it is and with the number of side characters there are that don't serve a whole lot of plot purpose you could have easily it just seems like a mismanaged uh, oh, I, a mismanaged priorities. And I in absolutely my. feel like it was an afterthought and it makes of me, just it like, Oh yeah, we should throw angry. that in. Shouldn't we?
0: Yeah.
1: It makes me angry every time somebody talks to Occam. Like it, it <laughs> feels so infantilizing, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yep, yeah, we're, we're doing this for you. We're going to make a better world for you guy. And he's like, okay, <laughs> it's just, uh, it bugs the shit out of me. And it almost like as much, like, so much of this movie is so good, and it almost ruins the movie for
2: me.
0: But if but, it wasn't there at all, would you think that it was a better movie or a worse movie?
2: Like, like if slavery just
0: wasn't a, and right, and that's where I, I'm with it too. Is if they didn't address like if if there were no black people in it whatsoever, then it's like what um hmm. There's no black people, so at least they don't have to deal with the issue of slavery. But well, that's what they did with the Native Americans. Native Americans only (laughs) exist in Mel Gibson's memory. They only exist in the story, right? But like, that's the thing is, if there hadn't been any black people at all, there would have been that like, all right, this doesn't feel right. Like this feels so untrue because it was 1776. Of course they had slaves. Of course there were black people around. And so, if they weren't there, I feel like it would have been a worse movie. But then, because of yeah, how it was know. handled, I don't think that it was handled well. It it is definitely a tricky area, and 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 it's it's tricky. And it does
1: feel almost insulting the way that they do it, though, where it feels just very like ah, I guess we have to address this in some way. So I guess that we'll have like it, it. It does almost feel worse with the with the black character they have because of the fact that he. Only exists to serve a white narrative, like a literal whitewashed narrative. Right. So that feel like,
2: well, that's all. I, and like the the um the the nanny woman who escapes, mm-hmm. who eventually her entire job is to. Oh, when Mel Gibson brings them all to the Gullah Islands, she welcomes them in. That's her. Yeah. That's her arc. There. That's her narrative. It's, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't handled well. Plot points. <laughs> yeah, they, they they're just plot points, and that sucks, and not how it should have been handled. It. it yep. Period. Yeah. I, I don't have any defense against that because it shouldn't be defended. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were mishandled. It was a mishandled storyline.
1: Yeah, it's too bad, but yeah. you know, otherwise. But he did
2: give us Mel Gibson melting his son's toy soldiers into ammo, which is
1: oh yeah, we it, haven't talked about that. That's a great little. Uh, that is, I love that.
2: I that's why I wanted to bring. I wanted to bring it back to something positive that was just really <laughs> fucking cool. Yeah, like you know, and him saving that last one, you know, waiting for that to be used on, uh, you know, Havington. Yeah, I like to, super cool. I like to think that,
1: like, if he managed, if he didn't manage to kill Tavington, that like he would have succumbed to to death anyway because he was shot in the arm by that. No. have <laughs> ended up getting an infection and dying anyway.
0: <laughs> he would have died from the lead paint. Oh man, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, from exactly from the lead paint. Even though um, Mel Gibson's not last line, but one of his last lines. Uh, well, the last line that Tarvington hears um, when Mel Gibson says. They they have that interchange where Tarvington's like, I guess I'm the better man, and Gibson was like, No, my sons were. Um yeah. even mm-hmm. though I love that line, and even though, you know, I, I did get a bit emotional during that piece did not even remotely compare to Randy Quaid flying up the asshole of <laughs> the uh alien spaceship saying, uh, Tell my kids I love them. Yeah. God, that is such a simple line, but like even just thinking about it, I, I get a bit weepy. Uh, Mel had I a totally better agree. line; it didn't carry the same weight somehow. I agree. Like
1: that's the thing I kept thinking about because, like, there's so many great emotional moments in this movie, but I never got that emotional about it. Like, I was just more impressed by the performances and the staging and everything. But it, it the movie did always kind of keep me at a remove, and I'm still not entirely sure why. I don't know if it's just like the tonal. Mashup, where it's like trying to be like the cool revenge film and you know the authentic war film and the family drama and all that stuff like I I don't know it's it's hard to say exactly why I felt kind of why I wasn't affected by it more because it
0: feels like it's done very well most of the time. I think that for me, the reason that, that it didn't quite hit as hard as it could have, and, and it definitely does, like, I definitely was getting very emotional during this movie. It's a lot of scenes where, again, especially as a father with two young children, God, I, some of these scenes were absolutely heartbreaking. I think that the thing that kept it from, like, being overwhelmingly emotionally heartbreaking the fact that it was Gibson, like it would coming back to where we started it. <laughs> I think because of the complicated nature of Mel Gibson, even though I relate to his character, there's always in the back of my mind, like, yeah, but he as a person is just, you deserve mm, to have your children die in front of that. You nope. Asshole.
1: Nope. I'm just kidding. That's, <laughs> not going that know,
0: that's far. <laughs> oh man. It's just, as much as I related to the character, there's a piece about the actor that I felt like there was just that disconnect
3: hmm.
0: for me at least.
1: Hmm. I don't know. I feel like for me, it's more. Maybe of it's just because like of the, it, all
0: the insurrection. You know, maybe that also contributed to, uh, yeah, like feeling patriotic, but also not nationalistic, and yeah,
1: yeah, might be it. I don't know. I still can't, I still can't decide. I, I think it's just because the movie is so the movie itself is so conflicting where it's like, you really, I, I, you know, I do like the idea of like how it gets into that kind of, uh, sorry. I feel like I'm going to start repeating stuff we've already said, but yeah, I, I like the idea that it like gets into the whole, like Gibson wants to stay out of it because of his family. And I, I think it's just, it's just too unfocused. Like if the movie was just about Mo Gibson and his family and didn't dovetail into the storyline with all of the other people, then it might have hit a little bit harder because it, it jumps around a little too much to like stay with it and stay in that same like emotional level because of how much he's kind of leaving and going and having fun with the boys, you know, messing around, <laughs> pranking the, pranking old general Cornwallis over here. He did Benny that <laughs> Talking about how dog is a fine meat, joking around all that stuff. Like, ah, it's, it's all raucous and body. And then, you know, tries to be serious again i think that's what kind of keeps
0: keeps kind removed i but i i think sorry dan were you about to say something no okay i think that it though comes back to what dan was saying of like this is emmerich's attempt to like do a more serious movie i think that it's the subject matter again like take it out of history have them fighting aliens and then the tonal shift between yeah dog is delicious let's say this to you know creep the pastor out and then here let's go have a church full of a town burn it doesn't feel as i don't feel like you would have noticed the tonal shifts as much if it was just evil aliens that they were fighting and like well of course they're doing something evil because they're evil aliens but because it is set in history and because the people doing these things were real people quote-unquote, real people. There's something about it that then is just like, ah, hmm, is this how they would have really reacted in, in the yeah. past? And I think that that maybe is where some of that disconnect is. Yeah, I agree. When,
2: when something is so strongly built into, like, what our national identity is, I mean, that war is 250 years ago. Yeah. And people still... So there's still people out there that identify who they are based on this outcome. You know, Mm. I'm an American, I'm a Patriot. So they're going, you know, this stuff takes on such seriousness, even when it isn't, (laughs) because it's it's just, you know, it's, this is our sacred, our sacred text, you know, if you will.
0: Yeah. Some, some of the disconnect could also be, especially in the South. I know it's not just in the South, but especially in the South. When I see a big pickup truck driving down the road with a giant American (laughs) flag hanging off of it, that person's probably an asshole.
2: Like, don't (laughs) worry. We get those in the North too. I I, I know. That's why I said. Maine Maine, Maine is the South of the North.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, you're in Maine, so you definitely got that.
0: You got like that kind of weird.
2: We got good old boys.
0: Yeah, Yeah, there's there's good boys everywhere, but like that's the thing that's so weird is, and and again like I why there is such a disconnect with this movie, when it was set, when it was made, and when we are watching it, is the term patriot, now feels different, you know, like like for someone to say, oh, I'm a patriot, it's like, ooh, so you black people then no 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 just the ones that are stealing my jobs right it's it's that sort of like
1: it definitely hits Mm. differently because i know like when i was a much younger man i feel like watching the scene in the church where uh where lisa brenner's character um you know is like admonishing all of the men in the church for not Mm -hmm. standing up and fighting Like, that's, like, when I was younger, I feel like I would be like, yeah, they should be standing up and do what they're supposed to do. But, you know, like, especially, like, I do like that she, like, talks about how, like, uh, behind closed doors are like, yeah, we need to stand up to these guys. And then whenever they have the chance to go out, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, like, I'm not (laughs) really going to do that. I was just, I was just talking out of my ass. Like, that feels very (laughs) authentic. I like that a lot. But there's a part of me, too, where it's like, I don't feel like they should be shamed for being a Afraid, you know what I mean? Like, I, like I know I do not have, yeah. I, like, I get it. Like, I, you know, it's you need to stand up for your country and for your values. Yeah. But I also know for me, like, I would definitely be much more like Mel Gibson at the beginning of the film, where it's like I have a family, I can't go out and do this. Like, they need me, I can't abandon. Yeah,
2: taxation them. sure does suck, but have you seen the size of their army? Yeah, <laughs> like I can't abandon I them to go
1: fight someone else's war that I have nothing to do with. Right, and I
0: don't but, know. Like it's, and his his line about what's different between one tyrant three thousand miles away and three thousand uh, tyrants, you know, a, a mile, mile away. Yeah, yeah. Even though there's not three thousand congressmen, there's still that piece of like, yeah. It's even so fighting, true, though. Yeah, like they're fighting yeah. for their freedom, but to what extent? You know, like how have things really changed? Like, yeah, they got the freedom, then then enslaved all the black people. And then it, had another war. years later, and, we still don't have the kinks worked out of that yet. Exactly. And, <laughs> and and so, like, a lot of those themes, yeah, it makes sense. And I don't know. I, I do feel like this is a very complicated movie. Even though it's simple, I feel like the themes within it are not themes that have easy answers. Like, the, the movie itself isn't, like this overwhelmingly, you know, like thought provoking, like, yeah, this is really going to make you, you know, question everything. It's like, no, it's yeah. pretty straightforward, but the themes that are presented are themes that have you know, been debated for centuries and continue to be debated in terms of, again, like where does, where do you draw the line between individualism, patriotism and nationalism? Uh, you know, where do you draw the line between fighting for what you love and fighting for what you believe in? Um, and that reminds me of a movie that I want to pair this with when we get to that section uh, in just a minute. Um, you know, the, the one, we've mentioned this a little bit, but like the trauma of war, even when you're on the quote unquote good side, you know, we, we mentioned that in terms of Mel Gibson and his kids rescuing Heath Ledger, like they were doing what was quote unquote right in that moment. But those kids absolutely are suffering with trauma. You know yeah. like there's no question that they were forever changed after that moment for saving their brother, and they, even within that moment, like you are going to be dealing with that trauma, and one of the things one of the things that I do like about this movie and why I do feel like it is more complex than just you know some of the the surface level simplicity is something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast when it comes to horror movies versus action movies. And it's something that is explicitly uh, said by Mel Gibson with the, why do men feel they can justify death? I, I expected him to follow that with, um, with other death. Like I expected the full line to be why do men feel they can justify death with more death, more death. but no, it, it stopped. And I feel like that's actually a more powerful line. You know, why do men feel they can justify death? It's like, because uh, that's when Chris Cooper is saying something about like, it'll be worth it um, or, you know, I, I forget exactly what they're talking about, but basically,
3: mm.
0: yes, it sucks that you've lost your sons, but we're going to win this war if we just blah, 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 blah. Like he's trying to give a reason for like, yeah, it sucks, but don't forget the bigger picture and and Mel Gibson's line of just, why do men feel they can justify death? It, to me, is such a powerful line because of the fact that, yeah, why do we feel like we can justify death? Not explain it, not rationalize it, but justify it. Like, there is no good death. And and that's one of those things that gets very, very complicated, so complicated that we do not have time to actually dive into all of the real world intricacies, but one of the things that I love about horror movies is uh, we've used this as an example a few times before, but like with uh last house on the left, when the parents kill those rapists, they're not happy. They don't have any sense of relief. It's just, well, our daughter's still dead and now we've killed people and it didn't yeah. bring her back. And you see just their brokenness and how nothing changed. The original film, at least, not in the remake. The the original (laughs) film, yeah. In the remake, they're like, put that fker's head in a microwave.
3: (laughs) Oh, so be awesome.
0: So, in the original, at the end, there is no, like, there's no good. There's no resolution. That's one of the things that makes that film so powerful to this day. Is it's Mm -hmm. just so bleak. Then you watch things like Death Wish. And, like, you're rooting for Charles Bronson because, like, yeah, I'm killing the bad guys. Pew, 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 pew.
1: On all the black people in New York.
0: (laughs) All the people (laughs) that I am tempting them into stealing me just so I have an excuse to kill them. But, but yeah, he's so... Like, you root for the, quote-unquote, good guy who's taking out the scourge of the city. You root for James Bond. You root for all of these action heroes that treat death as just part of the fun of the movie. And horror movies... Something you gotta get a license for. Exactly. <laughs> horror, horror movies treat death like death. And and it sucks. I mean, and, it depends on the horror of movie. Of course it depends on the horror movie. Uh, from Beyond treats death like sex. But like the, the horror movies in general treat death and treat murder and treat all of this vile aspect of humanity as something that is vile and like it's peeling back the curtain and showing you that darkness. And while I do not think that the Patriot goes quite to that level, I feel like there are more glimpses of the horror side of war shown in the Patriot than there are the hoorah sides of war. I do appreciate that at least
1: tries to, it doesn't, totally try to make it like a totally jingoistic like everything we're doing is totally justified and this is what we have to do to build our nation back and make it better for our children and all that stuff like it feels like it is definitely much more rooted in character you know like you're getting the different sides of it based on the different characters where and, and a lot of times too it's not even necessarily the movie is endorsing any of those views like it's just like you know chris cooper is saying that because it's what he has to tell himself to get his job done you know what i mean like um i i'm glad that you mentioned that because i wrote down in my notes that it feels like chris cooper is about to break out into a rendition of dear theodosia <laughs> during that scene. because um, he's talking about build, you know building a better world for his kids right um but yeah i i do like that the movie at least is trying to root it in character rather than actually trying to um make a specific point and you know it's not totally justifying this and saying that they're doing the right thing um so yeah i like that about it yeah and again i I do feel like it's even if it falters a little bit at times
0: it's not perfect i didn't say that it handles it with (laughs) the most finesse just saying i think it's a more uh complicated movie than than some people will give it credit for all right um eric how rewatchable is the patriot
1: um you know it's pretty rewatchable uh as long as you've got three hours to kill it's definitely i think that's the biggest issue is like it is on the surface very entertaining in individual scenes it's got a lot of great set pieces got a lot of good character moments um it's not a movie i would rewatch often though because it is such it is just so much movie um but you know, I mean, it definitely feels like a great movie to break out on the Fourth of July if you're wanting to sort of feel patriotic. You know, like it has, again, like I mean, despite the fact that it is so complicated, there are moments in this movie where it, you know, it does kind of make you feel like you want to pump your fist up and be like, yeah, kick those, <laughs> kick those redcoats' asses. <laughs> you know, it does. It does at least at the very at the at the very least, it does kind of remind you of you know, the fact that there were mostly men out there who had to, who had to stand up and fight, like who weren't really given that much of a choice. Like you, this war is coming to your front door, whether you like it or not. And I do think that, um, I I do think that it does kind of instill a bit of that kind of patriotic sense in me in a way that feels very genuine. Um, without like also like making me feel like i need to um excuse america for a lot of the horrible missteps we've made along the way you know what i mean like (laughs) i I like that it is rooted in character a lot more than just like yeah look how great america is we're awesome we totally did everything we were supposed to do and didn't make any mistakes whatsoever (laughs) sorry i'm saying the same stuff over and over again i don't mean oh that's that's okay (laughs) Um, have you listened to the
0: podcast before
1: i know i know it's just getting late.
0: Yeah, it is. Dan, what about you? How rewatchable is the Patriot? It's
2: it's fairly rewatchable for me. It's it's like I said, I don't feel like I've missed a lot by not rewatching it
3: mm-hmm. over
2: the past 20 years, but it's something Erickson kind of struck me funny when it was like, you know, if you're feeling like watching an Amer- you know, Revol- American movie on the 4th of July, and I'm like, there aren't many classic like revolutionary war movies.
3: Yeah.
1: Like that's true. this there's is a lot of
2: civil war. Like, I, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay, there's the John Adams miniseries, but that's not necessarily just the war. That was, you know, <laughs> a lot of shit about Congress and that, you
1: know? yeah, that's not about um, like the boots on the ground kind of people for the most part. I mean, I guess. Yeah. The, and I'm like, okay, there yeah. was
2: Johnny Tremaine that they made us watch in Middle <laughs> that They don't remember a damn thing about, um oh, there's, there's 1776
1: Hamlet. that's a good. that's a musical isn't it
2: y- Yeah there's 17 that, and that's my Bertolucci of all why are there, You know, oh, yeah, there's, that movie Why are there so many Oh no, I think you're thinking of is that 1900 you're thinking 1776 oh, I,
1: is, is that 1900 Okay Center. yeah you're right 1777, six, 70, uh, 1776
2: 1776 Why what's are there so many musicals about the revolutionary war Yeah but yeah <laughs> Hamilton it's like this might be the most popular revolutionary war movie there actually is. When you think yeah. of
1: I the, think the only I one that think you think can get, that's kind of close. I would re- you got the last of the Mohicans, which would be a good prequel. You go, yeah, exactly.
2: That you want that. sorry.
0: See, one there's the a quick scene where, where Mel Gibson runs
2: through the woods in and that. And you just don't see him, but, uh, <laughs> he's a ghost. Um, so, so, Jeez, yeah. I guess if you wanna if you're like an American history teacher and you gotta teach something about the you wanna put a movie on about the Revolutionary War, you're probably this is probably your go-to. You just gotta get parental permission slip signed for the cannonballs, but it's I'm sure there's probably a classroom schoolhouse edition
1: rock. out there like 'cause because I remember I watched like a classroom edition of yeah. Glory that cut a lot of the violence and stuff out.
2: Yeah. Probably one for the yeah, natri- Exactly. But we've got we've got civil war movies galore to choose from, but not so much the Revolutionary War. So I guess that by the scarcity makes it even more rewatchable because <laughs> the, the options are limited.
1: Also, I just want to point out, I, I searched um, American Revolutionary War films on Google, and one of the options that popped up is The Matrix. I'm not really sure why that, how that <laughs> snuck in there. I don't know how the Google algorithm it's, managed to...
2: The Matrix revolution. from <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it just pulled movies that also have the word revolution which makes that movie a 1000% more interesting. If Matrix Revolution, they ha- like they they got stuck in like an offshoot of the Matrix where it's all simulated yes. revolutionary. <laughs>
1: Simulation if
0: they America. They got stuck in Assassin's Creed 3. That's what they yep. should have done with the Matrix is they shouldn't have continued the story. They should have like had it placed in different points of history with people living yeah. through different simulations.
3: Yeah, who wants to be
1: stuck in the 90s the entire time you're in in the Matrix? Like, there's so many other cool time time periods. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. (laughs)
2: Lost opportunity (laughs) right there. Maybe maybe Matrix 4 will do that. Who knows?
0: (laughs) So, (laughs) I... I'm kind of along the same lines of both of you in the sense that I think the Patriot is really easy to rewatch in the sense that, like, I, I really enjoyed watching it this time. And I had forgotten how good of a movie it was and how beautiful it was. And, you know, John's John Williams score throughout and how great the acting was. And it's a solid movie. I had forgotten how good it actually was, even though it is the, you know, Braveheart light. It's still a really solid film. So I feel like it's really easy to rewatch if you have the time, but I feel like it's also really easy to not rewatch and, and, yeah. you know kind of like you said dan it's been 20 years and you don't really feel like you've been missing anything yeah I get that you know in all yeah. of emmerich's films it, this one's really good it is definitely yeah. one of his better films and i don't know if i'm gonna rewatch it as soon yeah. as i'm gonna rewatch other emmerich films it's that are not just not
2: the emmerich i would it's not the Emmerich I would pull off the shelf to watch an Emmerich movie, by yeah. any means. Yeah, this yeah. is
0: a movie if I'm in the mood for a historical movie. <laughs> not if I'm in the mood for an Emmerich movie. You know, like, mm-hmm. e- yeah. even Stargate. Love Stargate. That movie is amazing. Doesn't always feel like an Emmerich movie. You know, like, if I'm the, if I'm in the mood for Emmerich, Stargate is not what I reach for. If I'm in the mood for, you know, just awesome sci-fi, I reach for that one. Uh, but yeah, with the Patriot, it is a great, great movie that I might go another seven years and not watch it again just because there's other things to watch. Yeah. Also, the almost three-hour runtime, like mm-hmm. that, is a commitment. I, I feel like if you are going, I feel like this is well, like we said towards the beginning. Uh, and, and I forget um, if it was Eric or Dan that uh, that really focused on this with um, with some of that background. But this absolutely is just a summer popcorn movie. Like this is a middle of the afternoon. It's two o'clock. Kids are asleep. Got nothing else to do why not? I'll watch a three-hour movie. Let's yeah, this is a total, Patriot. like,
1: Sunday afternoon,
0: watch it on TNT kind of movie.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, if it's on, you're going to be like, alright, sure, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like when, this- you're, when you when
2: you go to visit your dad, and he's either going to watch this or hunt for Red October. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. It's the kind of movie that, like, whenever you're really tired on a Sunday, you'll watch it, and you'll take a nap. Like, you'll fall asleep for, like, a good 30 minutes of it, and then you'll wake up, and you'll just, you won't feel the need to rewind it. You're
0: like, eh, I know where we're at. We're good. <laughs> yeah like throw this on it in the middle of a lonesome dove marathon just to change it up a little bit <laughs> yeah, yeah th- this is absolutely a lazy sunday afternoon um type of movie watching it at that's night perfect. it because it's so like the movie's so daylight driven you know there's a, there's a few scenes of uh the swamp at night but so much of this movie is just during the day and it feels like that's when it needs to be watched all right um recommendations uh, or or other movies to pair it with. Um, One of the ones that I would pair it with is not even remotely similar in style of film, not even remotely similar in terms of, uh, of general audience, but I would pair it with uh, the secret of Kells, which if you've not seen that it is just a gorgeous animated movie about uh, the book of Kells, which, uh, uh, it's in, is it in Iona? I forget where it is. Anyways, um, it's like this small Irish village that is, you know, back in the 1400s or whatever. And they're trying to build a wall to protect from the barbarian invaders. But then they also have a monk trying to keep working on the Book of Kells, basically like their sacred text. <clears throat> and the, the themes in the movie play very heavily on we need to have the wall to protect our village, but also what's the point in protecting the village if there's no like core humanity. And, Mm -hmm. and so that difference between like one monk is really fighting for, no, we need to build the wall, which has a much different context. Now you have to ignore some of the Trumpian side of things, but just trying to protect from the barbarian horde, and then the other monk being like, no, what's, what's the point in protecting our, our land if, if we don't have our history? And, and so just that interplay, I feel like, plays in really well with, um, with Gibson and his fight with individualism versus patriotism. Again, nowhere even remotely close in, in terms of style of film. Um, but some of the, the themes, I feel like, uh, form a solid connection. Eric, what about you?
1: Um, well, obviously Hamilton because uh, I could watch Hamilton anytime, and it's uh, one of the other Revolutionary War films. Uh, yeah, I kept thinking about Hamilton so much throughout this movie. I was <laughs> like, man, I just really want some of these people to bust out in the song. Like, so I want to, I want <laughs> Mel Gibson to start rapping right. Now.
0: I, I no, just actually, want Mel like, Gibson to
1: burst through the stage in Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be like, "What are you doing?" and He'd just be like screaming at people, and then <laughs> the security people have to like usher him off the stage and be like, "It's okay, Mel." sorry anyway Um, (laughs) uh, okay so yeah Hamilton great movie watch anytime Um, one movie and I I swear I'm not picking this just to name drop this filmmaker because I'd have to do it on every single episode but a movie that I was watching right before I started watching this is Aliens Um and and like as I was watching the Patriot I was like you know these movies are actually kind of similar <laughs> because Aliens is a film that is about um someone who is the survivor of a traumatic event in their past who reluctantly goes on a mission with a band of militia people to um to eradicate like you know to fight for their maybe not their homeland but at least to fight some kind of existential threat um and they're both films that are about parenthood where you know the patriot is a film that is very much about fatherhood and aliens is very much about motherhood um so yeah i thought there were just some interesting thematic parallels between these movies that i never would have considered if i hadn't like kind of accidentally did a double feature with them I, I actually um, really like that pairing. That's good. So, I thought I thought that would be a pretty good pairing. And of course, you know, I got a I got to name drop James Cameron at some point. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> He's got to show up on every episode. <laughs> Dan, what about
0: you? What would you pair it with?
2: All right. My first film if I'm going to rewatch something where Americans have to rise up against their oppressors or their invaders, I'm watching Red Dawn. <laughs> yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: I thought you were about to say Starship <laughs> Troopers for a second, which <laughs> that that would also make a very interesting pairing. No.
2: Yeah, because I mean, it's got Red Dawn has a lot of the same stuff, and un- unfortunately, I think Red Dawn gets maligned a lot as being like this '80s let's go to war and kick ass movie, it's it's really not. Yeah, um, I agree. Things do not end well for almost every character on our side of that movie. Um, most of them live horrible lives or die by the end of it. Um, but you know it's that's got that true American you can't you can't control us spirit. Um, and then I'm gonna kind of cheat with this next one I have it paired with two movies because one shows you that war is hell and the other shows you that America fuck yeah. And that's first blooded Rambo part two. Yeah, <laughs> uh, oh, That's a good idea. Yeah. You've got the, where you've got much like the, the tonal shifts in the Patriot. You've got this first movie where it's really, it shows you the toll that war takes on a man and how, how tough it is for him to assimilate back into a regular life after he's seen war. But then man, Once he gets to war, he just kicks all kinds of ass. uh, (laughs) Oh, man. I I love First Blood and Rambo First Blood, too.
1: (laughs) I love this so much because, yeah, the Patriot really is like mashing both of those movies together. That's that's fantastic.
2: (laughs) Love it. War is hell. But once he gets there, he loves it.
0: (laughs) Yep. All right. Um, Uh, We are very limited on time. So we will just do a lightning round beginning, middle and end. Um, And I'll not go into all of the all all of the details of the story, because I feel like they pretty much speak for themselves. We have beginning Braveheart, middle, the Patriot and end the Harry Potter series. So what was the first
2: one Braveheart. (laughs) Braveheart.
0: (laughs) So we are following the ancestry of Mel Gibson from Scotland and then, you know, uh, immigrating over into America, like his lineage uh, immigrates into America. And then, you know, he's following in his whatever great, great, great grandfather, whatever that would be uh, following in his footsteps of, you know, just going out and rallying the troops with freedom. But the reason that uh, Lucius Malfoy, whatever the actor's name is, I don't have, I'm deep, pulled up and I don't remember it right now because I'm tired. So whatever, Dude who plays Lucius Malfoy in The Patriot. He is obviously a wizard. Jason Isaacs.
3: Huh? Jason
1: Isaacs.
0: Jason Isaacs. The reason that he hates Americans so much is because uh, he thinks all of them are mudbloods. And so, like, he is a wizard. But even though his character is breaking the rules of engagement with, um, with war, he's still following the rules of engagement in the wizarding world, which is why he's not using magic to actually take out people, but maybe you know, th- that might be why he's a better shot with his uh, pistol um, than than most, because he uses maybe just a little bit of magic to to help it hit its mark. Just a little bit of magic, just a little bit. I love it. And and obviously the uh, the bayonet that was used to slit his throat obviously became part of the wand cane of uh lucius um I which see. was then passed down in his family to then you know join voldemort
1: nice <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: do you have a beginning middle, and end?
1: um all right is that it are you good yeah that's
0: good we, we also only have a few minutes left on the recorder so
3: <laughs> oh
1: yeah no i'm gonna mine's gonna be super quick because there's not really a story uh mine's just kind of i i like the idea of uh like in this movie, Mel Gibson talks about how, you know, he always feared that his sins would return to visit him. And I think that that's actually true. And it rings true throughout generations because there are so many Mel Gibson movies that are about, like, his family being murdered or his, his he's got a dead wife or his kids have been killed or, um, you know, he's uh, his children have been taken for ransom or whatever, like there's so many movie, or payback, like there's so many revenge films here. So it's like, yeah, his his sins do revisit him throughout generations. You know, they maybe started with Braveheart, I guess, since that technically would be before. Now, let's um, uh, start start it not with Braveheart. Start it with
0: Maverick. Sure,
1: yeah, Maverick. I
0: guess be, um, I've never like, seen Maverick. Actually, it's it's a lot of fun. Not <gasps> that much bad actually happens to him in Maverick, but uh, he kind of cheats a lot and so okay. that is where his bad luck started i think oh yeah there we go he sold his soul to the devil and maverick which is why he was able to win so much but then okay. um uh, it, his his lineage had to pay for his greed
1: yeah i love it and you know again like even all the way up into the future with mad max he's still having his family murdered um, in Signs His Wife Dies in Lethal Weapon he's got a dead wife in Edge of Darkness I think he has like a dead daughter or something uh, I could yeah, be getting he's, some of he's, he's
2: got like I think it's written into his contract where he must have a dead wife in his movies because Mad Max wife is killed Lethal Weapon wife is killed Braveheart wife is killed Payback yeah. wife well she overdoses on heroin I think in Payback but uh-huh. you know
1: yeah, it's science, he's got the dead <laughs> wife, which causes his crisis of faith. Even in like uh, even in the movies he directed that he's not even in, like Apocalypto is about the, the Mayans family being murdered and going on a revenge thing. Like, yeah. it's it, it's definitely something he connects with. And I think that it's a it's a generational haunting yep. we'll go with. I'm, I'm good it's with that. It's a curse. Dan, what about you?
0: You got a uh, beginning, right. beginning, middle and end?
2: My begin- beginning, middle and end is all going to be... Uh, Heath Ledger-oriented. Nice. So young Heath Ledger, you know, he's just out there having fun. He's wanting to date girls till he may, meets this one girl who just doesn't give a f- about him, so he's got to win her over. So, you, you know, you're starting out with 10 things I hate about you. But then he gets into that age where he realizes he's going to grow up and be a man. He's going to go off. He's going to get ready to start a family. He's going to start a war or be in a war. So that's when you get to the Patriot. But unfortunately, he dies in the Patriot, which leads him to his heaven, which is just hanging him hanging out skateboarding, you know, his true love with Dogtown and the Z-Boys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man, I forgot that he's in that movie. He's so good
0: in that movie. You also yes, could have gone he with he so didn't great. actually die in the Patriot. But that is how he got those beautiful scars. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was where you were going to go with yeah. it, actually.
2: That would have been really cool yeah that's what That's what his, the loss of his wife is what causes him to go a little mad and uh yeah <laughs> but I decided uh, to talk about Doctor the Z-Boys because I love that movie man I yeah, always have really so underrated. much fun that's a, that's a great movie my I always have so much fun at with the
0: beginning middle and end even when <laughs> we don't have enough time to really dive into them alright Dan where do you want people to find you
2: uh, you can find me at my website hbo dot com and on twitter at HBO to Front
0: Row. And Eric, where do you want people to find you? Uh,
1: I am on Twitter at The Chimerican. That's T H E C H I M E R I C A N. I think I spelled that correctly. I'm questioning it anyway. <laughs> I'm also on Instagram at Chimerican Reviews
0: and on Letterboxd at Eric J A Y and you can follow me slash the podcast on facebook twitter instagram and letterboxd at video monster pod you can also follow me personally on letterboxd at the gargoyle that's g-a-r-g-y-l-e because it's a gargoyle wearing an argyle sweater uh and if you enjoyed this episode and want to keep coming back for more of our united states of america series or you know Just other movies that we talk about because we like to talk about movies. Just uh, do a search, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Video Monsters. Uh, And if you want to be a part of the conversation, uh, we have started a Discord channel. So uh, I've posted the link to that on Facebook and it should still be active, but I know that uh, those expire after a while. So if you are interested in being a part of the discord server and, uh, communicating with us about films that you love, or just listening to be an Eric banter back and forth about why Godzilla is great. Um, if the link is not still active, just uh, send me a message through Facebook, uh, to video monsters and I'll be sure to get you access. All right. That's been it for this episode of video monsters. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. I'm Dan. And remember kids, um, yeah, aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. <laughs> that's, that's, that's
1: another motto of this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the motto of this podcast is aim small, record too fing long. <laughs> <laughs> aim for 90 minutes. Go over 120. Aim for a reasonable uh, runtime for an episode and then just throw that shit out the window. Yep. yep. All right. Bye. You got nice oh, bits okay. there, is what oh. I'm saying. Yes,
3: they're lovely, especially this time of year.